With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you guys ready to rock and roll? Um, sure. I don't know about rock. Perhaps pebble and um, <laughs> slide sideways very slowly. All right. Well, uh, we are back with another episode of Kaiju Transmissions. Um, I am Bird. Matt, how do you want to handle your introduction this time? I am Matt. Okay, that works. Nope. We are joined. <laughs> we are joined by a special guest. I have with us Chris Marty. Yay! Who, depending on what order I put these out in, you may know from the politics of Shin Godzilla episode. Um, and he is also the composer of the future Kaiju Transmissions theme song, and uh, he has his one-man music project because he yelled at me for saying one-man band last time. Uh, I did not yell. Oh, well. Known as Cosmic Monster, and uh, he is on here to join us because um, one thing I know about Chris is he is a music uh, guru, connoisseur, and a musician himself. Yes. Um, I remember at G-Fest several years ago, uh, that is when I he was sleeping on my floor all weekend, getting into several heated debates with him about music and being very uh, impressed with just how much he knows. Because uh, he'll be able to tell you all kinds of bullshit, like time signature stuff that no one, I, no one within their in their right mind knows what any of that means. I don't understand other music. Musicians who know things more than me. <laughs> everyone. I don't understand music theory at all. Uh, but we we've quickly bonded over similar music interests, uh, mostly within the rock and metal world, but also in film scores. Um, 
And uh, obviously kaiju music is something Matt and I have talked about plenty of times, either on or off the air. Um, And we wanted to do an episode about kaiju music and see how it goes, and maybe we'll end up doing something about a specific composer at some point later. Um, But this is just to kind of get our feet wet into talking about music, because if there's one thing we haven't talked about enough, it's music. Um, So we're just going to talk about... um, different composers um chris i'll probably talk to you about um some of the stuff that you you like to do and um then the three of us will talk about you know our favorite composers our favorite uh cues favorite scores and then in the back half of the show we're gonna do something kind of a little bit more experimental kind of just to do something new um maybe and hope that it some people might think it's fun but can i have a little mini radio show because chris is um, uh, was nice enough to prepare a small playlist of just some some standout tracks. So, um, uh, well, Chris, first of all, you've how long have you been playing music yourself? Uh, Thirty five seconds. No, um, about <laughs> God. Um, that's a good question. I, I have to do some mental math, but I he will just even say uh, middle school, I think. Okay. Yeah, middle school. Well, no, I, I did percussion in school band in elementary school. So that was the beginning, uh, just because obviously <laughs> the most logical thing when you're a little kid is you want to hit things that are loud. So it's there and then picked up actual things with that hit that make notes um, in middle school and, you know, t- t- took lessons to a point and self-taught to another point and learn from musicians I've worked with who are much, much more talented and smarter than me. Um, another thing people might not know is, do you remember a few years ago, I think it was my last semester of college, I wrote a paper about you. What? Oh, yes. <laughs> you, know, you don't even remember I wrote it. Yes, I wrote a paper about you. Um, that's when you were doing uh, Beauty and the Liquid Men. Yes, which it's turned into Cosmic Monster because I couldn't find a band. Well, I, I did find a band, except I kept firing them. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you're like Bird at his current job. <laughs> yeah, firing you, like, a bunch the, of dumbasses. Firing specialist. <laughs> um, and Matt, am I wrong? You played too, don't you? At least a little uh, bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I play guitar, and I don't know that, that what I do is considered playing as much as I make noises but yeah i play hey that's all we that's all we are doing man <laughs> making noises with different things um and beauty and the liquid men that 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 name that's a deep cut matt do you know yeah, what man. that you know what that is i, I no <laughs> <laughs> that is the japanese title for the h-man that I, I thought that for a second, but I thought if I guessed and was wrong, I'd just come off as being a doofus. You'd look even dumber? Yeah. yeah well. like, the goal is to make cuts that are so deep that even the nerds go, God, man, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, that entire release that you're talking about was just stupid, obscure references that who cares? It was instrumental <laughs> music, so I had to think of something, and it, it you know being obsessed with this stuff and the music and the imagery i just kind of try to put it together into a thing that kind of makes sense to me <laughs> one of my favorite i think you i think you only did those two tracks but you did a very kind of um metallic version of a couple ifukube cues under the name this is tokyo 
Oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. But those yeah. were. I I love that. Um, again, and Matt, this is. To- do you know what that? Do you at least know what that's a reference to? Are you talking about the uh, Steve Martin? There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, a famous uh, bit of the comedian Steve Martin. <laughs> no, it's the fr- yes, you're right. It's the first line in the uh, U.S. version of Godzilla: King of the Monsters. Um, well, I, before we get into that, I, I want let's take about there's there's been some news items. Let's take a, a good five or so minutes to a, a acknowledge the things that are are uh, are are coming around. I have breaking news. Uh, first reported five hours ago in the Harryhausen realm. Uh, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yes, we got to see the new King Kong. Uh, that has not, man. You're, we're, we'll get hey, there. That's, that's kind of related. Yeah, but it's not. That's not breaking enough. I'm not talking breaking as in like. That's like the same exact time. Like a twig. <laughs> sort of. I'm not talking about. Kind of related. I'm not it's talking. Not Harryhausen, but I'm not. I, I was. I'm not talking about breaking as in like ten hours ago. I'm talking about breaking as in like five hours ago. Well, he's back from the dead. Oh, I wish. Uh, no. Kino Lorber has announced on February 14th a U.S. Blu-ray release of One Million Years B.C. What? Uh, a brand-new 4K restoration, including both the 100-minute uh, British cut and the 91-minute U.S. cut, uh, audio commentary by film historian Tim Lucas, a interview with Raquel Welch, who, damn, she's fine in this movie, uh, and uh, interview with Ray Harryhausen, interview with Martine Beswick, uh, montage of posters and images, and trailers. I am wow. going to pre-order that uh, very soon. So, let's talk kaiju music. Um, so, I mean, I'll just say, from the even when I was a kid and music wasn't really on my radar i always love the music in these movies i mean especially the fukube stuff i mean i is there anyone here that where that's not their favorite composer for monster movies nah he, he's definitely my favorite i mean sato is pretty high up there for me i'm a pretty big fan of sato but fukube is always going to be number one i'm trying to think of any non-kaiju scores offhand that really are like oh this is one of my favorites but it's you know if hukube is kind of probably gonna be number one for uh as far into the future as i can think of yeah if hukube is probably my favorite film composer honestly like my mount rushmore would be like if hukube bernard herman uh like uh john williams and like um uh Jeez, I don't know. There's too many that I could put for a yeah, fourth. You got th- you can always get three quarters through that Mount Rushmore because I'm with you on all three of those. When I get to the fourth one, it's just like I, I don't know. Yeah, some days it might be Jerry Goldsmith. Sometimes it might be you know uh, uh, James Bernard. Sometimes it might be Max Steiner. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, uh, if Fukube is definitely the champ for me and uh i have said on this very podcast like a lot of his marches his marches are the best uh, a lot of his marches get me pu- just as pumped as i would get if i put on like a slayer record or something like they're just 
there's so much energy going on, and I I can't think of a composer that really nailed what a giant monster movie should sound like better than he did. Like the Sato stuff is great, but like it's totally different. Yeah, You're, the Fukube mu- the Fukube's music sounds like his monsters, like. He's great at characterizing them by using unconventional instrumentation, um, just different techniques, like extended techniques of the piano. I mean, he, he knew how to characterize with sound, and that's part of what film composition is. And also, you know, some of the sound effects that were created that, you know, for the original film and some of the subsequent ones were, you know, obviously Hukube and whatever the sound technicians were, who unfortunately I know nothing about, which kind of kills me because uh, they were brilliant Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the, the sounds were created by orchestra or by a combination of, of different music technologies, you know, tape feedback for, for a laser sound effect or something. <clears throat> and the, the most, uh, um, important one obviously being Godzilla's roar, which famously was manipulated after recording a, a sound of a, a glove, a glove being rubbed on a, a contra, uh, contrabass. Well, actually, actually, it is it was a coarse leather glove coated in rosin uh, grabbing and scraping against the strings of a contrabass that was missing its back. Um, so oh, wow. what I take and I think the string pegs were also loosened um, and then it was manipulated and combined with some other animal sound effects from what I understand. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it was really that main manipulated sound effect that was, um, that main manipulated sound of the contrabass that I think was the primary sound there with just little bits kind of mixed in of different animals sped up or slowed down. I just realized I pulled a mat and I pronounced it contrabass. <laughs> yeah. So it, his roar was, it, a glove was rubbed on a fish. The fish was not happy. It produced a very low groan. <laughs> um, uh, that's the best. And Fukube, at least in my opinion, um, it doesn't stop at the Godzilla movies. Uh, like the Frankenstein Conquers the World and War of the Gargantuas have great soundtracks. Um, and Matt, we were just talking a few weeks ago about the, the score for Atragon. Yeah, it's great. Uh, he, he's also my personal favorite composer. Like I, I put him up against anybody, um, and he, he just—I don't know—his his scores have such, in my opinion, raw emotion. Especially like if you listen even to like the original film score. Like there's something about that the the choir composition, and I don't know everything that 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 he touched um, is ingrained in those films, and it's I don't know. For me, um, that is why I like his, his film so much is because he, when he was writing the, the, the music, like he understood the characters and he understood what was going on in the screen. He actually wrote, from what I understand, like a lot of stuff he got to see the film and he was writing to the stuff that was actually on screen. So like that's, um, that's something I really admire about his work. And again, I put him up against any composer, not, not just Godzilla or Kaiju films or, or anything like that, just any composer, period. And he would be my favorite. Are you guys fans of any of his concert works at all? I haven't. The only concert works I'm really familiar with are stuff like that filtered into the Godzilla stuff, like stuff that was used in like the Godzilla vs. Gigan score um, and stuff like that. Maybe like I'd see a YouTube video or, or two, but I'm not overly familiar, no. 
Oh, well, you're you're in for a treat. Um, if you love his film scores, I mean, they're not going to be as. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word because he, he uses a lot of chromatic stuff in his film scores for Kaiju, where it's a lot of just strange intervals between notes. And it's kind of what helps characterize them so much. But his concert works, he often borrowed a lot of snippets for his scores. Mm-hmm. And, you know, though they are different to a point, if you love the sound of his film scores, seek it out or I can let you know which things to listen to. Um, it Brilliant, breathtaking. Uh, I had the privilege of seeing one of his, I think it was his last student, um, Atsuko Kawakami in New York, perform um, Japanese Rhapsody and one other piece that I am blanking on right now, unfortunately, and it was breathtaking. Um, Japanese Rhapsody, uh, it was one of the pieces that really kind of pulled me into appreciating classical music after being a film score dork for most of my life. Uh, Hukubei's concert works are really, really worth checking out. And if you like the marches, you like the uh, energy behind that. I mean, the original recording of uh, Rimika Ostinata uh, is out of this world. The 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 fury and speed of this orchestra, it, it's incredible. Yeah, I'll I definitely check that stuff out. Um, now. Uh, Fuku Bay, I think the only um, non-kaiju score I know of his is the one for The Quiet Duel that he did with Kurosawa, which, from what I understand, those two didn't get along. Um, but with that being said, I've I, I've listened to a, a good chunk of his film music, and I haven't heard anything I don't like. Um, and... Uh, even even like some of his uh, I guess softer tracks are really really good. Um, like uh, there's I don't know the names of the tracks, but I know there's I'll just call them love themes. Um, there's one in King Kong Escapes, and there's one in uh, Battle in Outer Space, uh, and they're both just stunning pieces of music. Um, and then another one that's kind of not not typical i guess of him is uh and one of my favorite tracks of his is requiem from godzilla vs destroya which is the the music that plays as godzilla dies at the end but um i just and i remember him saying that he wrote that track as if he was writing the music for his own funeral and um i don't know it's 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 a very appropriate uh piece for his last piece of film music i think Absolutely. I mean, he he, all, he borrowed from himself a lot, and that is, that is one of the criticisms that a lot of people have, and understandably so. I want to say even Requiem, I want to say that was even taken from another work. A lot was, of it was. It was, it was taken from um, a piece in the original film, I'm pretty sure. I'm like almost 90, 99% sure it was part no, of it. No, yeah, it was like, a, it's like a re, it's reworked from a piece from the 54 score, I think. It, I still it, think it may have even predated that. It he had be. a lot of stuff that was predated. Like even the Godzilla theme was from another piece. Yeah, like I know um, the 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 army march in the original movie um, was taken from a piece called Kishimai. Are you familiar with Kishimai? 
I've heard it maybe once or twice. It's not one that I'm super familiar yeah. with. I know that because um, I was I was lucky enough to attend both G Fest concerts and um, before the second one, Symphonic Fury. That was the track that they the the orchestra played was Kishimai, and they prefaced it by saying like, "You will recognize bits of this piece from from the movie soundtracks." And then also, was it Varan that that the the theme for that was later? turned into the i think it was the Ghidorah theme yeah it was that it was the Ghidorah theme and then the battle in outer space march was later turned into the monster zero one i believe as well yeah i mean he 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 understood that he had had a brand i think with his sound almost like john barry in the bond films which i i keep bringing up these parallels i did this in the shin godzilla podcast as well um where you've got this uh, a long-running series with a one composer that really establishes an iconic sound and borrows from themselves and just really helps create that inclusive world i guess um or some sense of continuity like uh, and i that's one of the reasons i think if ukube stands out so much as a composer is you know you look at any other film series and whenever the composer changes out there's a tonal shift in the film and you know with kaiju films they can be so different depending on the composer. But if Hukube is the one that ultimately was, he, he created that sound. He helped create that vibe, that feeling, that atmosphere, and that characterizing of the monsters through, you know, through his orchestral arrangements, really. And you really do get um, uh, kind of probably obviously deliberate homages to him in other monster movies since like um i know everyone talked about at the end of cloverfield the music that plays during the credits is a clearly ifukube reference um even in the 2014 godzilla which i do have to ask wh- where are you on the the displat display he's french so i can't say his name where are you on Desplat. the sc- <laughs> yeah where where are you on the score for 2014 because me and matt disagree on this and that i actually quite like the score um, whereas Matt is really not into it at all. Typically terrible. Oh, sure. So, uh, I'm mixed. So I love the theme. I think if you asked me the to write... fine. I, I think, I think if you asked me to write a theme for this series of films or for this characterization of, of the monster, that's it. It's, it's fantastic. You couldn't have asked for something better in my opinion. It, it pays tribute to the original in the sense that it's repeated ostinato, You've got instead of the banana, 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 you have this same kind, just altered enough but familiar. But at the same time, where I think he fails was that he failed to characterize the monsters. He just wrote a score. That's not a theme for the monster. That's a theme for the movie. Uh, he did not characterize the monsters with their own themes. He didn't differentiate anything. It's just a score for the movie. Yeah, like, uh, he, like for and, instance, the the Mutos don't have their own cues or anything yeah he just added a couple of synthesizers when they're on screen but that's it and even then it's it's still not really anything identifiable in my opinion at least uh i i you know i would have been excited to hear him come back but the issue is even in the interviews he said he, he only watched the original one which had little to nothing to do tonally with, with this movie mm-hmm. so you know you're you're asking a dude to score a movie that and really nail a, a specific kind of vibe, but then only referencing the movie that couldn't be farther from the vibe they're going for. Well, all all of his movies, like the, the Harry Potter films and such, that's how he scores all of his work. They're just his his films are, are basically 
scores for what's going on on screen and, and they don't present um, themes for, for specific characters, which is what you see in the Godzilla films. Yeah. And like, I actually like, like you said, I'm okay with the theme, the main theme for the film is for Godzilla, but you're right. There's nothing else after that. And that's what I don't like about most of the music is that it's just kind of there. Um, and, and that, that's the biggest problem, but that's how he scores all of his films. And that's why I think he's kind of the wrong choice for a composer. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say this, though. He nailed something that I never expected him to nail. He did the same thing that a Hukube did with the original Godzilla, where he was quoting Igor Stravinsky's Rite of Spring with his chord voicings. So the uh, this is this is some deep music nerd. <laughs> I, I don't know how many other dorks out there in the world are like music nerds, film score nerds and monster movie nerds. So in the original film, when there's the, the radio tower uh, sequence where they're all taking pictures and there's this really dissonant repeated like bum 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 just this constant repeated chord that chord is look it sounds like it's a permutation on chords used in Igor Stravinsky's Rite of Spring and Stravinsky was a huge influence on Hukube and it's it's pretty obvious when you fast forward to Desplat's score he also used a variation on that same chord for uh, one of the one of the music pieces for when they were moving the bomb towards the end of the movie, and honestly, even some of the arrangements throughout the film are a little Stravinsky-esque. Stravinsky-esque. So there's a there's a slightly like ah, oh, I can appreciate that. I still don't love it, but I can appreciate that. I did not know that. That's a pretty deep knowledge bomb, uh, <laughs> Matt. Did you did you know? That's why I made the big money. No idea. Yeah, this is. <laughs> <laughs> to me, <laughs> and this is why we have Chris with us. Uh, <laughs> um, in the uh, Evangelion episode with us too, because that's just gonna like my brain's going to explode probably when that happens. <laughs> uh, so wh- uh, now another, I guess it's not really controversial. I think most people have generally the same opinion. Uh, where are you on the? I gotta ask, man. Uh, especially because I know you're also a little bit of a prog rock geek. Where are you on the on the Final Wars score? Um, uh, <laughs> let me think of the. I'll put it this way: I've listened to the whole thing front to back once. Um, it has some moments, but it sucks. <laughs> like it's fine. It, it's look, Keith Emerson. I, I look. I love early ELP. Keith Emerson is incredibly talented. I actually love um, his score for uh, Argento's Inferno. Inferno, yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> but man, with all due respect, the man you know recently passed away. Um, passed away is the nicest way of putting it. He he passed himself away, um, and it, it just is. It's wrong. I mean, the, the movie is a hot mess, and it's it's you know. It has its moments. I'm, I'm not going to crap on the whole score. There are some moments where I go, you know, that actually kind of works in its own strange way. And I try to t- remove myself because it's like, all right, finally, it's different. But it, it just is kind of a mess. And it sounds like he just used a cheap-ass keyboard. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my favorite uh, – my favorite cue in the whole score is uh, – because it, it's mostly Emerson, but there were two other composers um, uh, – is uh, like the, the, I guess, main theme – which I, I think was, uh, I think it was Daisuke Yano, but the, the the one that comes out at the beginning of the freaking movie, um, that's really the only cue in the, the score that I really like. I actually really like that theme. 
the bow now 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 i like that yes i like that one yeah i agree that was the one thing that really stands out it's a theme for a terrible movie um so i i mean okay so uh if fukube i mean he's such a presence in the series that i'd imagine one day we'll just do a whole episode about him where i don't know maybe we'll talk a little bit about more more about who he was as a person his upbringing yada 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 but i i mean just i mean we're just doing like kind of a a a kaiju music primer here so fukube is the big dog and we got him out of the way um I think probably the second most, I guess, relevant composer, for lack of a better term, um, would probably be Masaru Sato, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so, at least. Uh, and he, his approach was very different. Um, seems like, it, when I hear that name, I think more, um, almost like more, like, more like tribal instrumentation almost um and uh more upbeat more um i don't know if fun's the word i want to use because the fukube stuff was certainly fun but it's 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 a lot lighter it's a more uh it 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 perfectly matches the the june fukuda movies that he scored oh totally i mean you got to remember this is one of the most in my opinion, Sato is one of those unsung geniuses. Um, he has put out such a variety of interesting music in a, in a relatively short time. You have to remember, this guy, though he did all these kaiju scores, he also did Throne of Blood for Kurosawa. Oh, he did he a lot did, of Yojimbo. He, he did so, a yeah. lot of Kurosawa stuff. But the, the reason I specifically say Throne of Blood is you compare that to, you know, even, even something... At, at, you know, Godzilla Raids Again and Half Human are both very of their time scores. They're really, in my opinion, nothing special. They have some great, they have decent cues and some moments and they're well executed. But he really isn't putting forward anything that really is like identifying him with an, a, a distinct sound, at least. But when you hear something like Throne of Blood, you realize, OK, this guy has a pretty incredible breadth of work. And you hear, then you fast forward to, you know, something like Yojimbo, where you hear that sound. And that sound is, he's really, he was, I know he was heavily influenced by Henry Mancini, uh, who was a popular Hollywood composer at the time. He did uh, Charade, Experiment in Terror, Wait Until Dark, The Pink Panther, Touch of Evil. The list goes on. And he had his own non, um, non-film works as well. I've got like a pile of his LPs. Um, but he was a much more fun, upbeat composer, and he definitely used a lot of that influence. Where putting in more percussion, more upbeat, more big bandy sounds, more jazziness, and I, you know, I think his scores really suit the films that he did. And though they are very much a product of their time, I think they're a product of the time in the best way. Like um, something that happened in the '60s in Japan that the impact can't be under under um, explained is. In the early 60s, the biggest band there was The Ventures, which are one of my favorite bands as well. Uh, they're a, uh instrumental band who you know, came out of just instrumental rock, but they kind of got lumped into the surf crowd. But it, what happened is they had these lear- play guitar with The Ventures instructional LPs. So a whole generation of Japanese musicians learned to play guitar from a surf band. 
So subsequently, there was this huge boom of surf bands and what they called group sounds, which is kind of like a post-Beatles pop rock thing. But that surfy sound was really pervasive. And you hear it in a lot of kaiju scores in the 60s. You've got Ultra Q, uh, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, um, you know, twangy, surfy guitar, tremolo guitar, using the guitar for weird effects. Um, you know, that is why these things sound the way that they do. Uh, there is a guitarist influenced heavily by the Ventures named uh, Yuzo Kayama, who's also an actor. He was in Kurosawa's Redbeard, uh, and he starred in the Young Guy series of films. And he was in a, t- a movie he starred in, I think it was one of the Young Guy films, it was a double feature with Monster Zero. So understand that this twangy guitar that everyone kind of, if people aren't a fan of his scores and they want the Fukubei thing, you know, the movies were made for a particular crowd, which was people who were listening to this type of music. And it really shows. I mean, he did the Iron Finger, uh, Iron Finger, Golden Eyes, Takarada films. He did Kill for Kihachi Okamoto, which is uh, kind of similar to his Yojimbo score, where it mixes traditional Japanese instruments with jazz and big band and just really cool stuff. Yeah, I've always... Uh, it's funny you mentioned, like, hearing that that sato sound because obviously like like you guys i grew up watching the godzilla movies and it wasn't until i was in college that i i started you know becoming more of a, a a film nerd and watching all the kurosawa stuff but i knew like instantly the first time i saw like yojimbo and uh and high and low like i knew instantly that sound from the godzilla movies yeah, he, he really had a distinct sound that was vastly different, but also incredibly varied and, to me, very, very interesting. I mean, you, you reapproach any of these scores, and as you listen back to them, you realize how much of a – just these weird instrumentations and strange arrangements, just a really creative composer. And, you know, if you go into his 70s work, you know, outside of uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, unfortunately, it, from what I've heard, it's a bit more conservative. Like Japan Sinks and uh, Crest of the Wolf, the scores are they're, they're orchestral scores, and they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. But it just seems like the films at that time were calling for more of a, a straightforward sound than the the fun, funky strangeness he'd been doing. Yeah. Um, Matt, where are you on uh, Sato? I love all of it. I I actually like all the work that I've heard of his. Um, the thing that I appreciate about his music is that, unlike some of the other non-Afuka Bay Godzilla composers that well, I'm sure we'll get to at some point, his music fits what's on the screen. Um, and, you know, specifically, like, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, that's probably my least favorite score of, of the series. And <laughs> Is it that or the original Godzilla 2000 score? Same composer. Uh, both are pretty terrible, in my opinion, but Space Godzilla probably edges that out slightly. Um, Sato's work is memorable, at least, and every time that I heard his work, like you said, like, I knew exactly it was all the same composer every time I heard it, like, instantly. And he has this, um, I I don't know, for me, the thing about, the thing I want to take away from a film score is I want to, I want to be humming that tune when I leave the theater. That, that's something I enjoy about Afukabe scores is every time I leave, I, I watch a Godzilla film the, the, or I watch a, a movie that has his music attached to it, is I can remember something about the, the movie and the music it was attached to. Something will come back to me later on. And that's why I actually hated 
the splat score is because nothing was really that memorable. Sato scores actually are memorable. Um, so that's the one thing I really appreciate. And, and, and I do like his music quite a bit. Spot on, I think. What you just said there with the me- being memorable when you're leaving a theater. Like, you know, as I, I just complimented the splat score, I'm going to take that away immediately and go, yeah, you're right. A lot of it is not memorable. Yeah. It's, it's, it serves what's on screen. But, you know. I feel like that's... I, I I feel like that's pretty common actually. Like uh, I I'm actually a fan of most of the like uh, recent Marvel movies, but the one thing when I walk out of all of them is, what well, where was what what was the music? What's Iron Man's theme? I have no oh, this- idea. Bum, blah, blah. Yeah, it's just it's just noise. It's just, yeah, right. It's, yeah, it, it's but like, you don't it, ever think about like everybody knows Jurassic Park. You can start humming it, and a million people know it. And that movie is freaking what twenty years old now. Like I hum that that song, and my wife, you know, is oh Jurassic Park. Like everybody knows the the great theme songs. People still know, you know, well, kids know that theme song now. It's like I can think immediately okay what's the michael keaton batman's theme i know it yeah what, but but if you song. were to ask me like what's the ben affleck batman's theme i'd be like I, wha, 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 huh <laughs> i don't know what's funny <laughs> is i still remember the wonder woman theme song from that film <laughs> yeah that's, that was the most standout theme in that whole movie it, it's it's funny though because it's you know as someone who this, that's what i want to do with my life is make music for movies if i could do every day get up and make music for movies i couldn't ask for a better life no one cares <laughs> film scores don't matter anymore at all in fact they probably couldn't matter any less as far as big hollywood movies are concerned no if it rumbles your seats and makes your bowels shake in an uncomfortable way the score is working <laughs> you know the the louder and bigger it is the better and you know personally for me i i don't care you mm-hmm. know there there have been some really cool scores like michael giacchino is i i'm waiting for him to score like one of this expanded universe legendary pictures kaiju thing he is I think good um he's the new john williams he's, the, did, he's well, the only guy doing it well relating the topics what what did you think of his uh his track that he did for Cloverfield, which was a clear Ifuku Bay, like, homage. It's great. Yeah. It's not my favorite thing he's done, but I loved it. Yeah, I I agree. I would love to hear him tackle something like this. Um, And uh, you know who else I really like is, um, uh, 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 what's her name? Michiro Oshima, who did the Tezuka movies. Like, her score is absolutely the best part of Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, which is one on the bottom yeah. uh, of the barrel for me. But that the score is great, and I love her scores for the two Mechagodzilla movies as well. I think, um, like, I love Otani. I, lo- like, I love a lot of these composers, but uh, I think her scores f- feel the most informed by Akira Fukube than, I mean, than any of them. Oh, by far. Yeah, definitely by far. I, I definitely agree with that. I just think that's I, – I take a couple of issues with her scores, which I like them and I respect them. I, I think she's a fantastic composer. Um, that being said, I think unfortunately for, for budgetary reasons, I want to say some of her scores were recorded in Russia. Um, the production on her scores I'm really not a fan of. They sound very, very sterile to me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a lot of other sco- – I mean this is an issue I have with with some Japanese scores um, – 
they tend to go for a very sterile, uh, plain production, which really sucks the life out of them. And it doesn't matter how good the compositions are. They always just sound kind of flat. Like, I, I love so many of her themes, but they always just sound... The recordings, not the performances, not anything, but the recordings always sound very, like... They, they don't call attention to themselves, so you have these themes that should sound big and bombastic, but they always just sound kind of laid back. And muted. Yeah. Yeah. Muted. Very muted. Yeah, I, uh, I can see that issue with her. Like, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. If you If you have something that is... Um, not recorded properly, you do suck the life out of it. I mean, completely. You can absolutely kill the just the life in a, in a piece by not having the proper recording. I mean, you can. Yeah, it, it's something akin to like Jason's, you know, the ha 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 thing. That's actually not what that is. You know, it's it's ma 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 because they had the they're using crappy recording equipment and it changes the perception of the sound. Yeah, I mean, it, that uh, actually brings up a, something about Shin Godzilla that everyone's complaining about. The uh, oh, monophonic the recording <laughs> and the sound effects and, you know. Yeah. It, and that, that's the whole thing. I mean, it, it's you can tell a difference in that movie when you have the stuff that's new, newer that's been recorded and it switches back to the old stuff. It, it takes you – for me, it took me out of the movie almost. I know some people were like, yeah, we love hearing the old music, but like – when you hear the old music and then you hear stuff from Evangelion that's a little bit newer and then you hear like the newer pieces that were recorded for the film, that constant switching back and forth in the theater, because the theater speakers are so good, it sort of was distracting, at least for me. I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody on that, but I, I saw several people um, say the, the exact same thing. Yeah, it, it, it was weird. Like when you have all this like slick Evangelion music and then – you have with what I mean. I love the soundtracks as much as you guys, but and then out of nowhere, uh, some recording from 1954 comes on. Sounds like it was recorded in a garbage can. Like you're, you're, you're. Hey man, that's what I like about it. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna undercut. Uh, like it's gonna pull people out. <laughs> really, I think what they like, were going for. Oh, go on, sorry. I was just gonna say it sounded like Metallica going to Saint Anger from like the new stuff. Like, they're like Metallica saying a recording. I'm like, no, this is terrible. Stop it. I mean, personally for me, I think what they were going for was to try to make your brain associate uh, something with the old movies. When you're though you're seeing something that's just CG with through the sound effects and the music, they're trying to kind of fool you into that you're seeing the same kind of thing that you're used to. And personally, it didn't bother me that much. I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm a nerd for this stuff. I love the production and recordings of the original soundtrack. That's part of why I love it. Actually. I think it really adds an ambiance. The fact that it's recorded like this, the fact that tape is distorted, you know, I think it really adds something that isn't there, uh, in subsequent recordings. Um, and you know, in the sequence they used it in, it was a little strange, but I, I was okay with it. Um, at least the, uh, the Godzilla comes ashore theme, which is what everyone seems to be the most upset about because it's, you know, this squiggly thing, that just you know, <laughs> squiggled itself, you know. Uh, it's such ashore. this terrifying music, and it's this goofy, googly-eyed. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I kind of, I kind of liked how how weird that was. I personally, it didn't bother me that much. I was like, all right, it, it sounds kind of strange and uncomfortable, and the thing looks kind of strange and uncomfortable. So fine, you know. But um, it's, it's a little strange. 
you know, uh, one one of my favorite Godzilla scores that I feel like no one really talks about is the one for 84. Oh, that's actually the most similar I can think of to the new one. To uh, Sagisu's tracks, at least. It's so, like, heavy on atmosphere, and um, some tracks sound like they could be in, like, a John Carpenter movie. Like, there's just <laughs> this, like, there's this, like, almost like a... Like this sense of dread in them that it, it like paints the picture for the whole movie, really. Yeah, with that Kuroku's score for that film to me is what makes that movie almost like it elevates it to be better than what it should be almost. Because I think if you change that the the score to be like anything else, it would it would almost change it, it would make the movie so different that I, I don't think it would be nearly as good i I, don't, I wouldn't enjoy it as much like the atmosphere is so dark in that film and that's kind of why i like it mm-hmm. um but if, if you made it if you changed anything else i think i just i wouldn't like it as much that's where, probably my favorite non-afuka based score actually where are you guys on the biolante score because that one's pretty divisive actually that was the first cd i ever owned ever <laughs> Mine was how? Was how? how? <laughs> that is uh, weird. I was, you don't just. Go I didn't into... get into music. I didn't get into music till I was like a teenager, man. Yeah, but uh, you don't so... just go into like a Best Buy and walk out with. <laughs> so, believe it or not, this <laughs> funny story. Uh, there used to be these like email groups for. This is going way back. This is going 1998, probably. Yeah, um, like Yahoo. Like, yeah, like no, Yahoo. not even Yahoo. Just like through email, these groups. Um, it may be even before 98, uh, and someone had an extra copy. It was like, whoever responds to this first gets it. And I responded. I was a kid. asked my parents' permission, and they said yes. And uh, the guy sent it to me, and it was the first CD I ever owned. Of course, now I find out that the composer is a huge World War II atrocity denier, so it's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> but, you know. Every time you listen to it, do you like hate yourself more? No, I just found this out actually this afternoon, the uh, World War II thing. <laughs> wow. Um, so now I'm like... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Very uh, weird. I, yeah, but as far as the music itself, some of it I really like. Some of it, eh, I don't know. It's another one where the production kind of kills it. It's I very eighties. Yeah, it has that like clown theme. <laughs> it has that like crazy electric guitar. Like, I remember <laughs> Wars. that music. Like when I first saw that movie, like in the first like ten minutes. I was like, well, is this the right movie? Like, did I put in, like, did I put in the right tape? Like, I just thought it was so bizarre. He was um, wondering if he got, like, a bootleg version of Godzilla. Yeah, it's like, did, did some fan, like, tape over the music? I, it was just so weird. And, and then it's, like, on top of this footage of, like, people shooting each other with machine guns. I'm like, this is a Godzilla movie? What's happening? <laughs> uh, Even worse, it's like, they rework the theme into it. So it's just, like, this awkward, they shift it into 4-4. Four, four. So it's like, you've got this scene, the ba da 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 It's not in 4-4, four, four, and they just kind of squish it together and kind of give it this weird thing that it just starts to sound really cheesy. And oh, I don't know. I, I like some of the creepier tracks on that. Um, the uh, Super X Two theme is is not a bad theme. It's a little too John Williams for me. But you know, I, I guess considering the scores that we were just complaining about, it could be worse. <laughs> Which score do you like more? The for Godzilla Two Thousand, the Japanese one or the U.S. one? 
to be honest, I've actually never seen the U.S. version of it. Huh? What? what? No, I have not. I've never seen the U.S. version. I've only seen the Japanese one. How awesome. did you not see it in theaters? No, I didn't. Why? At the time, it just wasn't playing anywhere near me, and I didn't see it. I mean, I was at the age where I just really – there was a point when I kind of walked away from this stuff a bit because I was, you know, an angsty teenager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it – yeah, and it wasn't – <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't get in the fucking cockpit. Well, considering the time uh, period, I was going to say, did the 98 movie, like, scare you away from the franchise? <laughs> kind of, yeah. And also, I was just, you know, a different place in my life, I guess. I just really was trying to... As a teenager, you yeah. know, not, not thinking with my brain. Well, what... Thinking with hormones. That's so weird. Like, So, like, what... When you think Godzilla 2000, you only have the Japanese version as a point of reference. So... What, yeah, what I'll, you, I'm going to see the original, the, the U.S. version when I have a few extra bucks to grab the Blu-ray right now, what, but that's what, about it. So what do you think of the Japanese version? I'm just curious. Maybe you have that a big ol' meh. Wow, like, I, I don't know if you listened okay. to our uh, our Millennium episode, but this is one yeah, of the yeah. cases where... Yeah, you... no, I trust me, that's what made me want to see it. I just haven't had the spare scratch to invest in Blu-rays. Also, my Blu-ray player took a shit. So that's like, oh, to buy yeah. a Blu-ray means I have to buy a Blu-ray player again. But and that, then it's like another pile of money. Like, it's such a fascinating movie because, like, the just with editing and rescoring and, and new sound effects, they took the Japanese version, and the, the U.S. version has a completely different tone the Japanese version seems a little serious. The U.S. version's very much more like a Showa kind of vibe. And personally, the U.S. version, I think, is just a better cut of the movie. The director and Toho even prefer that version. So, yeah, check it out. But, no, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, personally, um, I I also think the edit of 85 is better than The Return of Godzilla. I don't think it's yes, a better movie. Thank you. But I think the edit is so <laughs> much better. They tightened the shit out of that movie. And it really, oh my god! It's watching the international dub of uh, the Return of Godzilla is a painful, grueling experience, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> it's just, a it bad. Hurts. It's yeah, a terrible. It's dub. horrible, <laughs> and you realize how bad the editing of that movie is when you're not seeing the original Japanese dialogue and you're not distracted slightly by subtitles. Holy crap! That that one, I thought the whoever in New World cut that down. Dr. Pepper and other nonsense excluded, of course, but just the editing done to tighten the movie, tighten up scenes, tighten up pacing, get rid of some crappy shots of the Cybot, you know. Yeah, I can agree with that. I still prefer the Japanese version, but I, I it is a tighter edit for sure. Um, uh, and so where, where are you guys on Ko Otani? Like him. Yeah, I he's yeah. actually one of my favorite composers. I love the Gamera scores and the GMK score and, uh, the one he did for Pyrokinesis, um, uh, he's he's awesome. Um, the GMK theme is actually one of my favorites of, uh, I guess, the last like batch of movies, really. I actually love his Gamera scores, but GMK, I I, I want to love it so much. Yeah, I think the th- it's it's it's. I don't think it's as. Bad of a case is what we were saying with the 2014 movie, but the theme really is, like, the best part of that score. Mm. Yeah, his, his work on Gamera is by far his best. Mm-hmm. And, and more memorable, but GMK's fine. Um, I you mean, know, one thing that I... No, go, no, ahead. go on, sorry. 
Actually, one thing that I, I love about so many of these composers is what we've said with each one of them so far. We haven't even gotten through half of these these people so far. Uh, the second you hear them, you can immediately identify them. And that, to me, is really important in, in film score because we're in a point right now where most scores are just kind of Hans Zimmer knockoff, you know, nothings. They're not even a score. It's just like a couple of notes and some hitting. And just repeat ad nauseum, add a sad theme and a love theme. Yeah, they're they're there for visceral effect more than they are to say anything about the movie, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, uh, where are you guys on Richiro Manabe? Love him. He's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. His listen. We we talked about the Toho Dracula films, which he scored. And I actually like those because his, his his music fit those films. It's got that weird '70s vibe, but they're, it's kind of creepy. But for Godzilla, good lord, it's <laughs> it's not. It's I got a literal headache the last time that I watched Megalon. Like <laughs> gave, the Godzilla horn sound gave me a headache. Oh man! I just his I, Godzilla I, theme I, is the weirdest one ever. Uh, it's yeah. It sounds like Godzilla's drunk. It's like, to me, it sounds like, oh, here he is. I appreciate his score in Hetera way more than Megalon, and I think it's just his weird, his weird compositions fit Hetera, but Megalon is just more kind of your standard 70s Godzilla, and it, it feels a little more out of place. But I, I will agree that uh, his music does work a lot in the, the the Dracula movies. I think horror might be a little bit better of a, a fit for him. Yeah, I, to a point, I agree. I don't think his music is that scary, though. I don't know if horror is a it's, perfect. It's just fit. kind of like creepy in it. In it yeah, yeah it's, it's atmospheric. Yeah, I mean, I think Hedora is his best score personally out of all of them. I I love how that works because like I'm a big, obviously a big fan of, of Japanese music and everything you know that I've uh, okay, been ranting I will about. Admit, but. His, film, his his score for Hedora fits what's on screen. I just hate the Godzilla horn theme. If you took that out of the film, I would agree with that. If you took just that part out, I could I would totally be on board. But everything else, understand. like it's so bad, I just want to bang my head against the wall. I mean, I, I love that he has like this fuzz guitar, the weird wah sounds, distorted organ. This uh, there's this percussion instrument that all day I've been trying to remember the name of it. You hear it in all of his scores, and it's this thing that you you shake, and it's it's a it's a metal thing that has two strikers on each side that are attached to springs. And as you put your thumb on it, on the on this another metal part, and shake it around, it changes the pitch. So you hear this weird kind of pitched metal sounding thing. Uh, I can see how you were like a one man band. I really can't. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I can't sing though. That's the problem. I don't. It's all instrumental. Um, but. Uh, it's a really distinct sound, and I've been trying to remember the name of it. I'm not even kidding now. It's what is it, almost midnight, and I've been trying to think of this for about 12 hours, and I have not come up with anything. Um, but he uses a lot of really strange, strange, interesting arrangements. And for that one, it's like I hear a lot of sounds that are in a lot of Japanese psych rock bands at the time from the, the early 70s. And it kind of makes sense. You know, there's a Far East Family Band, Shinky Chen, Food Brain, Flower Traveling Band, just a lot of these groups that had a very distinct take on how to use these instruments. And I hear kind of that same logic applied to scores when he's using some Western instrumentation. 
But it's also kind of cool that he was a Fukube student. <laughs> so there's these little moments where you can kind of hear, oh, I see what he's doing there with the piano kind of droning and he's, you know, layering on top of that. I don't know. I, I like his scores. I'm not going to say, you know, the best thing in the world, but I really think uh, they're really they're interesting to hear. And it's, you know, distinct is sometimes all you can hope for. And, you know, I think the Godzilla theme fits Megalongs. It's just so goddamn goofy. Mm-hmm. So goofy. It's uh, like we're talking about all these like I'm, I'm noticing we're mostly talking about Toho movies like. It I I can't really like think of like aside from that annoying song like I can't really think of a whole lot of cues from like the original Gamera series for instance like no the theme from have... the original Gamera movie sticks out to me but nothing else really yeah I I it's also you know it's different when you think about you know Toho versus Toei uh, no excuse me Daie um you know. Daie did employ Fukube several times, but I think with the Gamera ones, they were just like, I, I'm not even sure who did them. I, I think I even have the scores. Um, <laughs> I, that I shows how much I go back to them. Sorry, I mean, I was just going to say, I remember more the, the, the Zigra xylophone scene than the score <laughs> the <scores laughs> of the Gamera films. <laughs> yeah, I know the xylophone. Um and I mean, obviously, we could bring up Daimajin, but again, that's that's more a Fukube. Um, those are good scores too, though. Um, is there? Uh, does anyone have an opinion on the Godzilla '98 score by David Arnold? I wish he didn't rip off Bernard Herrmann. <laughs> I well, the last time I watched that movie, which was with Riff Tracks, thank God, uh, was. <laughs> I kept th- and they even they even, I think they even mentioned it, but I couldn't stop thinking about how badly it was. Yeah, the, like it's it's badly ripping off Bernard Herrmann and even John Williams. Um, and it's it's when it's not doing that, it's bearable. But yeah, it's just all the wrong things for a monster movie uh the theme is okay but that's as much as i can give it um and you know all this talk is really making me wish that shin godzilla had like an actual like prepared score i mean some of it was though some of it was i mean the the tracks that were created for the film um i actually i think uh what is it who will know i think that's one of the best tracks composed for the entire series personally i think it's fantastic it it I think it goes. Is it, that the one that comes on when he is, nukes everything? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. that's a good. That's a good piece. And I don't. I really. Some of the others I really don't mind either. I mean, uh, persecution of the masses has one one of the weirdest titles. Uh, it's I, a I cool song. Yeah, it's it has. Place in the movie though. It's yeah, weird. it doesn't fit. Um, <laughs> it's weirdly placed in the film. They just like smacked it in there. Uh, the that. The repeated uh, timpani theme that's from Evangelion, which is just a knockoff of a John Barry cue from from Rush with Love. Uh, I guess it's getting complicated. Um, <laughs> that is just obnoxious. Um, I got but, annoyed with that too, just because God. I kept. Yeah, but it is memorable. I will give it that because you hear it like twenty times, and we yeah, get I mean, that we get that rockin' version of it, the rockin' <laughs> making making coagulant theme. <laughs> that was hilarious when they add the electric guitar to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, he he did. All right, I, I have to give the guy a little bit of credit for the thought he put into some of this stuff. So 
you know, that theme is first introduced and it's not as obvious that it's that theme. The first time you hear it is when the helicopters are surrounding um what's the second form's name after it's Kamata kun? What's the uh chicken the red one. Chickenzilla. When it when when it when it turns from the the squiggly one to the long skinny one uh and the helicopters are surrounding it, the theme that's playing is actually the close to this is based on the same uh theme, but it's much more busy with different percussion instruments and it's hard to pick out that repeated rhythm and he does use it to score the how everybody is working which is you know it's conscious it doesn't mean that i don't want it to stop every time i hear it like it's still obnoxious but you know all right he knew what he was doing fine that was consciously in there for whatever reason he felt the need to use that obviously evangelian theme in it but you know, I'm not him. The weirdest theme in the movie, though, was like the day after the attack when they have like the uh, there's like the oh, jazz the Tokyo thing, the jazz flute. I don't know what that was. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? It wasn't the day after the attack. It was like the day after something happens. And it's like the city of Tokyo. And I felt like we were time traveling back to the 80s. It's, it's a very um, sterile jazz track. It's just kind of is like, oh, business as usual. You know, it, it serves its purpose. It, it did have a comedic effect, I thought, when it kicked in, but it's still just weird. I mean, this, the tracks that work best are, for that one, it's like you've got Who Will Know, Persecution of the Masses, um, Defeat is No Option, which I still don't really know how those words in that order make any sense. Um, <laughs> I, I, defeat is not an option, is no option, I, I don't know. Um, the lyrics for that are just awful. The other lyrics to the 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 pieces he wrote are actually some of them aren't bad, especially who will know. Um, it's all in English, which was a strange choice, but apparently he's done that in other scores. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of his thing. He, he does that often. Yeah. I mean, I, it was funny. Like when the battle in outer space March kicks in at the end, like when the trains are going, <laughs> I laugh every time. God. <laughs> it's so it's funny to me. So funny. Yeah. It's out of place. It's like, you know what, let's let's. But again, to be fair, they are literally throwing the country at him. <laughs> so it, it, having a bit uh, a Fukube march does kind of make sense because, you know, military march and, and, you know, the background of all of this. But it's just hilarious to hear that going when they're just like, throw the trains at him and the trains are going to crawl up his legs, uh, throw the building at him, throw the other building at him, <laughs> go crane team one. You know, it's just it's so goofy. Um, going outside of Japan for a moment, because you've mentioned John Barry a few times, that just reminded me that his score is probably the only good thing about the, the 70s King Kong remake. Oh, wow, I forgot he did that. Yeah, it's a great score, actually. Uh, it's better than the movie. I have to go back to it. I haven't seen the movie in a while. I'm, I'm okay that's with a, the movie. Yeah, I, I don't, oh, yeah, don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. It's really bad. <laughs> I recently did it. It's it's not. Yeah. I, I think if I go back to it, I'm not going to like it as much. I've, I've seen it, I want to say, twice, um, probably with diminishing returns for the second time. I think I just the first time was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's different. Fine. Uh, but it's it was just a little uh, empty. Oh, it's very empty. They do, The movie is like two two plus hours long and like there's no substance at all. 
You mean terrible. Rick Baker in a gorilla suit is not substance to you? <laughs> I mean, like the only thing they do is they have they have like the hot blonde chick there for eye candy, and that that's all you get. Like that's all the substance there is for this film. And like Rick Baker in a gorilla suit is an eye candy. <laughs> <laughs> you like the giant like rubber snake fight? That's <laughs> oh, really yeah. awful. That thing is terrible. Um. Well, we've uh, we've talked about. Um, I mean, it's it's documented, you know, Honda and Subaraya's affection for the original King Kong. But do do you know if if Fukube was into that movie, or more particularly the Max Steiner score? Because I can see how maybe one could have influ the the Max Steiner score could have influenced Fukube in some way. Do you know if that's something that he has listened to or or informed his works at all? I genuinely have no idea. Um, I can say John Williams definitely did because he pretty much plagiarized half of it for the Lost World Jurassic Park. But it's mm-hmm. also a fantastic score of its own right. But as yeah. far as Fukube, I don't know. I, I I would assume he had to have seen it at some point given the film's popularity in Japan during the time when he was actually an active composer. But I really I've ne- never read anything about that. Yeah, or if that, I have, I've forgotten. Yeah, that that's a that's a interesting question i'd like to know um uh i mean okay well we're we're going to get into this this playlist i mean are there any but you forgot one more Ooh, what, kunio miyauchi oh yeah uh godzilla's revenge yeah and ultra q ultra man the human vapor yeah, uh, I'm not too into the Godzilla's Revenge score that much, but I, I, I love the the music in Ultra Q, um, and the Human Vapor has a good score too. Um, uh, but yeah, Godzilla's Revenge, I don't know, it, it was always just kind of a, it's kind of their score for me. Um, uh, I take it you're a bigger fan of it than, than I am. I dig it. I mean, it's it's not up there with my favorites, but I think it has some cool cues and some fun moments. I mean, his stuff for uh, for Godzilla's Revenge and a lot of the Ultraman and Ultra Q music is it's it's very fun. You yeah. it, you want to have fun with it, and it definitely helps the vibe of all of these things to keep it kind of moving and keep it light. Um, or to be fair though, Ultra Q does have some really cool darker themes. Like I want to say the Belunga theme is just like you know I want to say it's just uh you know, using the piano in a strange way. I think he's banging on the piano strings, or he being the musician, um, banging on the piano strings with, uh, to make the notes and then holding the pedal down so they're sustaining. And it, it, it's a cool, eerie kind of theme. And, you know, the Ultra Q theme is just way too cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, uh, and I do have to mention, uh, is it Yuji Koseki's uh, score for Mothra? Yes. I love that score. Um, Beautiful. Uh, that composer didn't have did that composer ever come back to the genre at all or was it just one and done or i actually don't know um i've only been familiar with his mothra score yeah same here uh, let's you know i'm gonna ask the internet quickly and, uh <laughs> i'm trying I, to meet you there but it's not nope nope um some other film scores but uh I don't know. Nothing that I can think of that would be in the Tokusatsu oh, wow. Kaiju uh, realm. Matt, where are you on the the Mothra score? Yeah, it's it's a great score. I I like I love I love the uh, Mothra score and especially uh, Ultraman score. And the one thing I was going to mention about Ultraman is that there's some really uh, surprisingly dark moments in Ultraman, 
And uh, I, I feel like you made a great point earlier talking about how the score keeps it light because there's some there's some difficult moments in that series. And I know there's some I haven't finished Ultra Q yet, but I'm actually working my way through it. Um, having a light score kind of keeps that series upbeat because not having a light score would really make it Debbie Downer at times. Like there's some difficult episodes to kind of get through and some things that happen. And I'm glad that they chose to go with, with the lighter score at times. Totally agreed. I mean, again, remember at that, that point, it's like ultra Q is the first thing on TV. So it's just luring kids in. Um, and though it, it was, it's compared by Western fans, like the twilight zone and things like that. It, it's more of an outer limitsy kind of, you know, weekly creature feature kind of thing. Uh, and Ultraman, you know, for the most part, it's it's pretty fun, fast moving show. But there are some moments where, you it's, know, man, it's it's tough. There, there's some tough moments in that in that show that like I was not I was honestly not expecting when I when I first watched it. It's the thing with a lot of the writing is they had such little time for these episodes that whenever it'll take a really quick, dark turn and you never <laughs> really expect it to. Yeah, it's like a gut punch just out of nowhere for some reason. Like, ah, now you have to think about something. Shit. um so uh i guess we've run through uh i think we've talked about a lot of our favorite scores um you guys want to get into this playlist here sure i mean do you want to give any primer to anything at all uh i mean not i don't think we really need to. I mean, especially since we've covered so much ground with a lot of this stuff. Um, so, I, so if for those who don't know, we started with uh, the appearance of Mechagodzilla is what played us in, um, which is a great Sato track. We played a clip from that. So up next, it looks like we have Godzilla Comes Ashore by Akira Ifukube, uh, which should be familiar to anyone listening. Um this is one of my favorite cues from the original movie. Um, I mean, Chris, what what else do we need to know? Is there anything else we need to know about this uh, and why you picked it, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, I, I picked it because, it, uh, you know, it's one of those – it was used in Shin Godzilla, so it's kind of fresh in everyone's mind. Everyone hated how it was used for the most part, everyone being whatever 70% of the fandom complains the loudest, I guess. Um and I, I always liked it because it, you really hear this disgusting kind of – you hear the low, low woodwinds just kind of grinding along. There's two pianos uh, just – I want to say – I forgot what the name of the, uh, the device is. The device is basically just something you put on the keys of the piano just to slam them all down. It's got two pianos kind of droning on these just big tonal clusters. It's just this really ugly, dark, morose – piece that i've never heard anything like it in in any other film just interesting uh if hukube really created something very distinct with it and i think in in this track in particular the fact that he even felt the need to use it even in such an odd scene it, it sticks out it's pretty memorable yeah all right so uh enjoy godzilla comes ashore
All right, that was Godzilla Comes Ashore by uh, Akira Ifukube. Um, now, next up, we have uh, the Ultra Q theme by Kunio Miyauchi. Did I say that Miyauchi. right, or did I pull a man? Kunio Miyauchi. And actually, if you want, you can probably do the next two together, because they're both kind of twangy. Okay. They both have that surfy thing going on. All right, yeah, we will do that. We'll do the next two together. The first is the Ultra Q theme. And then uh, we have uh, Yacht, Hurricane, and Monster by Sato uh, for Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, which uh, I think is pretty much, it's more or less the Ibera theme, really. Um, kind of. I mean, he doesn't return to that the surf guitar thing as much that uh, that's in this in this cue, but there's some little moments that he kind of uh, uses throughout the rest of the film as well, I want to say. Yeah, uh, so... Um, uh, again, I, I'm with you guys in thinking this is a very underappreciated score. Um, so yeah, check out these tracks. So that was the Ultra Q theme, uh, and uh, we had a track from uh, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Uh, very surfy, kind of twangy stuff, which, as we talked about earlier, is most likely because surf rock was big in Japan in the 60s. Um, Chris, have you heard the Garamones? 
I have not heard them, but I've read about them. I they're one of those things that I've been hearing. Oh wow, they're they're doing covers of of uh, kaiju stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, they do like um like kind of punky. I mean, obviously, the name is uh, a reference to Garamon, the Ultra Q monster, and also the Ramones, uh, the the great <laughs> punk band. And they they kind of do punky covers of of kaiju music, and they they all dress as like different Ultra Q monsters. But they have a really awesome version of the Ultra Q theme. Um, Matt, did I send that to you, or did I send you a different one? No, you sent you sent me that to me. It was actually pretty awesome. Yeah, because uh, I think I I know they had the Ultra Seven one up. They have a music video for I think. I need to check them out. They're one I've been reading about them, so I have no excuse other than my own uh, life. Yeah. Um, so next up, uh, I have um, you. You've prepared for us. Uh, Monster Match 3, uh, as in, I guess, there's two others at some point, by Richiro Manabe. Um, now, Matt, this was a request from you, right? <laughs> this, this is what you're going to play at my funeral, I suppose. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Before or after? The question is, that's going to yeah. put, put you down? <laughs> yeah, this is when they put me in hospice care. This is a song that, that I'm going to play like shortly before I die, just to, to take me out. <laughs> Hearing this is just going to. This is a really dark intro for a really goofy thing, but it's really cool. It's really dissonant. Has a lot of strange, weird sounds and banging on the organ. I know. I think it to me, this could come off if there wasn't like a whole orchestra behind it. This could come off of any random Japanese psych rock band from the early seventies. Um, so I would do, um, yeah, this is a good choice. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I would do the, uh, the, the theme or, or not. Uh, I think the theme is so like worn out that going with a track like this, that's a little bit more under the radar is a good, uh, a good choice. So, uh, enjoy or maybe don't <laughs> uh, Monster Match 3 from Godzilla vs. Hedera.
All right. So that was a track from Godzilla vs. Hedera. And up next, we have the title card for the American version of Godzilla's Revenge, which, Chris, on this uh, playlist you sent me is by a fellow named Irvin Jurub. Everyone's Jureb. favorite. Yeah. Or a good old Irvin. Uh, so who this guy is, I don't know. Um, where this song came from, I don't know. Uh, it was originally called Crime Fiction. I have absolutely no idea where they dug this thing out of, but it's awesome. I've always liked this theme. It's really fun and, you know, strange out there, strange, strange vocal noises. Don't really know what he's trying to go for with a thing called crime fiction, and this is what came out of it, but I like it, and I think it fits the movie pretty well. Yeah, this is a weird... Yeah, I don't know why why they made this track for this american release just it's just the decision to do this is super strange oh, it wasn't made for the release it oh. was already made for that it was a track called crime fiction that i have no idea where it came from or what it was originally used in the name crime fiction doesn't really fit the weird like <laughs> at all yeah warbly wobbly like whatever i don't know how to describe this track so people just listen to Irvin Jareb's Godzilla's <laughs> Revenge theme and try and figure it out because I don't know what's going on here So if you're still with us, uh, that probably confused you a little bit. We're probably going to confuse you a little more because now we're getting into some obscurities, uh, which Chris is uh, an expert on obscurities. Um, so here we have the main title theme for uh, the Italian version of Godzilla 54, which is uh, 
dubbed Cozilla because Luigi Cozzi, who is an Italian horror director, put it together. Uh, it's a very weird version of the movie that only survives in the worst-looking VHS transfer ever. Um, I know I sent it to Matt, and he gave up like two minutes in just because... <laughs> It was it was awful. Yeah, it's like I, I think it kind of adds to it. It adds to the ambiance. Uh, now, um, the track itself it sounds like something that would be in an Italian horror movie. It almost has like a goblin esque. Well, it's funny you mention that, Kyle. Uh, this is <laughs> this is by a band called Magnetic System, which, believe it or not, is made up of Italian composers. One of which, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen any Lucio Fulci movies, but the three members are uh, Fabio Frizzi, who is known for uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie, The Beyond, uh, City of the Living Dead, Manhattan Baby, and of course, uh, Devilfish, made popular by Mystery Science Theater. Um, The other members are Vince Tempera, and uh, I seem to have forgotten to write down the other guy's first name, but his last name is Bixio. And uh, those two are have done a bunch of uh, work together with Fritzi and on their own. Uh, their most notable work would be the track Seven Notes in Black, which was featured in Kill Bill Volume 1. And uh, the soundtrack LP has um, RZA uh, rapping over it. It's the, uh, I think it's Ode to um, Oren Ishii. Okay. Yeah, but... Uh, Either way, so you've got three Italian composers, but the most famous one being Fabio Frizzi. And this theme, actually, if you listen to it and listen to the zombie theme, you can kind of hear where the zombie theme came from in in this. Okay, I love the zombie theme. Um, All right, so uh, if you're a fan of Italian horror scores, this one might just be up your alley. So enjoy the Godzilla theme from Cozilla by Magnetic System.
All right, so that was the delightfully weird uh, theme for the Italian version of Godzilla by Magnetic System. Now, up next, we have uh, the theme for the obscure and banned Prophecies of Nostradamus by Iseo Tomita. Isao Tomita. Yes. Um, Matt, you own this movie. Have you gotten around to watching it yet? I have not, but I definitely will because I know we're going to be talking about it for the, uh, for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and this is a uh, a weird score to accompany a weird movie. Um, Chris, I, I, how do you how would you really explain this this theme here that we we're about to play? I mean, it's a little funky. It's a little orchestral. Um, the composer Isao Tomita was actually a kind of like one of those original synth gods. Uh, he's one of those guys you would see a picture of in front of a wall of uh, of a synthesizer, basically. Uh, he released a lot of albums of um, his own performances of classical music. He did a great version of The Planets. Um, he actually just passed away in the last year. But he was one of those guys who was influenced by uh, Wendy Carlos, formerly Walter Carlos, uh, who did the Kubrick films. But he was just kind of this first wave of synth composers, and it... Uh, it's a really unique sound. It's very 70s where you've got this kind of funk backbeat with a full orchestra. And a lot of the synth sounds in it are very distinctly Tomita. But yeah, you can find a lot of his LPs and dollar bins all over record stores across uh, the United States. Okay. Um, so uh, another weird track, which um, I don't know. If you like the jazzier stuff... Um, I don't know. It's almost like what <laughs> I feel like this is almost what Manabe uh thought he was doing <laughs> with Godzilla versus Hedera. Um but no, it's it's a cool track. So uh uh enjoy the great prophecies of Nostradamus. And if you can get a hold of the movie through uh certain means, you should cuz it's an interesting film. Thank you. 
All right. Well, that was the great prophecies of Nostradamus, uh, the theme from Prophecies of Nostradamus uh, by Iseo Tomita, um, which is a delightful uh, jaunt into weirdness. Um, now we have uh, we're going to go to what uh, I guess will play us out at this point. Um, uh, so our last track on this playlist is Give Back the Sun, um, which is a song from Godzilla vs. Hedera here. Now, Chris, uh, is this uh, a group, GHQ, that did a cover for this? It certainly appears so. Uh, this is on a compilation series called Go Cinemania, which is a compilation of uh, Japanese soundtrack music. There's a whole bunch of volumes, and this one specifically is uh, covers and remixes and stuff. So this is a cover of it. I think the band is GHQ. I don't know, um, but <laughs> I'm going to research more. But this this particular series, um, uh, Real 4, it's called Cover Rocks, has uh, some other kaiju stuff on it. It has a, a nine-minute remix of uh, Feel in My Heart, and uh, or better known as The Words Get Stuck in My Throat. Nine minutes. It's great. Um, and uh, why, why would anyone do that? Hey, it's not, but nine actually... Minutes? It's, it's more of like a look if you're in, if you if you're into kraut rocky kind of stuff where it's very repetitive it's actually not too bad uh and then there's also a pretty cool remix of saiko and uh minya from son of godzilla on it as well so you know obscure music nerds and soundtrack people go track it down or don't <laughs> or try and fail because it's really i don't even know how i found it all right, well, um, all right, here's Give Back the Sun.
All right, well, that was our last track, uh, apparently, maybe, by a group called GHQ, uh, covering Give Back the Sun from Godzilla vs. Hedera. Um, so uh, we have given back the sun uh, at this point, so we're winding down. Um, I, I, so you certainly gave us an eclectic uh, mix of music. We have some well-known classics and some obscurities. Uh, overall, a good little sample for... I mean, I, it, it would have been too... I, I take it the reason there's not too much of Fukube and too much of that stuff is that's stuff people know already, right? Yeah, I mean, look, you can only say, well, here's the Godzilla theme. Well, here's the theme from Mothra versus Godzilla. And, you know, it gets so oversaturated. And as we've mentioned before, you know, Fukube is is probably my favorite composer, probably all of us, honestly. So it's almost to me a disservice to just keep showing everyone the same things over and over. I was going to try to squeeze um, one of his tracks that he composed for the um, World Fair Expo 70 in here just because it's a beautiful, really cool, interesting track that uses some similar instrumentation. Uh, as some of his other scores where, uh, you know, the um, electone organ is on that, which features heavily in some of his scores as well. And some of the themes from that, from the Expo 70 were borrowed for film scores because you know, he's got so much. But at the same time, there's a variety of interesting, unique music uh, in, in Kaiju and Tokusatsu that is kind of overlooked by film score weirdos uh, like like myself and you guys. Uh, just because it's you know not the it's not a Fukube, yeah, which is unfortunate because it's really interesting, unique music that if you go to the theater now, you're not going to come away with anything like this stuff. And I think it's it's about time that some of these guys who, you know, didn't have any real glamour in their life, they it was their job. Sato never did concert works because he didn't find it. It was just not something he wanted to do. So you know, keep spreading this stuff around. And the fact that a famous horror composer also did the music for the seventies release of, of Godzilla in Italy is kind of cool. The fact that a legendary synth guru did the music for a banned Toho film, it's a disaster film. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so for sure. Spread it around. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I mean, I certainly, this, this was a lot of fun, uh, especially after we just did a, um, <laughs> we just did a whole episode uh about politics and we're of of Shin Godzilla and we're dealing with uh you know the the insane results of an election this this did lift i think i think since we recorded those two back to back i think this lift I, at least for me this this was rather therapeutic this lifted this lifted my mood a little bit i'm glad if nothing else, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, and hopefully, yeah. things. <laughs> yes, uh, and hopefully we lifted your moods at home. Um, and uh, yeah, no, this was awesome, and and especially, I mean, I we've just gotten our feet wet uh, with your knowledge of this stuff and just talking about this stuff in general. So, I mean. Uh, Eventually, I'm sure we'll do an episode all about Ifukube or all about Sato. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that that would be a lot of fun to do one day. So, um, on that note, I mean, do either of you guys have any any closing comments um, about just this 
music and you know any recommendations or anything like that no i mean i i think uh i just want i want to thank chris for coming on and dropping uh knowledge bombs because i i did learn <laughs> a lot and uh and check check out stuff that you haven't heard of. That would be my recommendation. I think, that, yeah, I think that's an important thing to do. I mean, uh, to piggyback, I'd first thank thank you guys for having me on. This has been entirely my pleasure. I mean, I as I've mentioned uh, to Kyle numerous times, is I've been very passionate about this my entire life. But the kind of closed minded the closed minded mindset, for a lack of of better terminology, that comes from a lot of this fandom turns me off a lot where i'm always looking for well this is all cool but what else mm-hmm. you know so much came out you know the studio system in japan lasted into the early 70s which is much longer than in the u.s so they were just churn- it was just a sausage factory of just stuff and they weren't always able to, able to filter out the weird stuff so the fact that you have a movie like smog monster to come out with a strange score you know the fact that you know, uh, Prophecies of Nostradamus came out the time that it did with this person, all of this. It's really interesting. And I hope that it, any listeners who who made it this far, you know, through all of my ramblings about about music that, you know, however flighty it might be, just look for this stuff. It's out there just because Toho doesn't care enough to release it here doesn't mean you can't find it. Look for it. Immerse yourself. Find out who these composers are. No one else is going to is going to do it. If you look around you, no one else cares about this stuff. The second we stop paying attention, it's when it all starts to disappear and doesn't get reissued. I mean, the Sato's Throne of Blood score was just reissued. How do we get his other works reissued? We mm-hmm. pay attention. We talk about it. We share it with people. And the sooner someone who's a horror nerd finds out about, you know, Godzilla or Kozilla. Maybe we'll find a print of it. Maybe someone will release it. The more we talk about Prophecies of Nostradamus, maybe eventually Toho will find out, hey, guess what? We banned this for really no apparent reason. Maybe we should put it out. Yeah. Share this stuff, guys. Look for the weird stuff. It's boring without it. And if anyone is ever looking for any of this music or you're curious, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm always happy to point people in the right direction when it comes to music or movies or just like, how do I see this? Because it's there somewhere. Someone has it. Yeah. You just have to share it. Yep. And um, just uh, to, a quick plug, um, you can check out uh, Chris's stuff on – you're on Bandcamp, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Band, Bandcamp, uh, uh, look up Cosmic, Cosmic Monster. Monster. And um, do you still have all your other stuff up there? Because you've been doing this for years. Um, some of it is still up there some of it is not uh i have another batch of releases that are it's going to be slowly filtered out i kind of went through an equipment breakdown and kind of salvaging a lot of recordings from the last few years but i've got covers of the godzilla theme and the frankenstein conquers the world theme up uh from a couple of releases on uh, cosmicmonster.org i think either way cosmic monster on Bandcamp. um and uh, no, CosmicMonster.net, maybe? Let's find out. Nope, nope. Well, Cosmic Monster on, at Bandcamp. Uh, and I've got some more stuff that'll be out soon, including the theme for this very show. Yeah, all right. Um, so, yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I guess 
we will say our goodbyes. Good night, everyone. Thanks for having me. Good night. Yeah, thanks for, for joining us. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.